Hey, everybody, we are back with a new season. We've been airing reruns for the last month, some of our favorite episodes, but we are back now and we have a whole bunch of new episodes for you. I am here in the studio with my producer, Abigail Keel. Hello. Hi, Abigail. Welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) You've been working with me since January, but you haven't been on the show before. That's right. Yeah. But you have been working behind the scenes on this new season. You listen in on all of the interviews. What are some of your top moments gearing up for the next season? Um, I'd have to say that getting to hear all about Terry Gross and her love for cats. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm not a cat person, but I could really appreciate her cat plant situation that she had going on. So I'm really excited about that. Cat plant situation. That's a good tease. No one knows what you're talking about. That's next week. Um, So who else? Who else do we have coming up this season? Then we have a clown, which I know you were really excited to bring in. And I had doubts about the clown, but I... You did not express your doubts (laughs) about the clown. This is your job. You were really excited about the clown. And I was like, let's just see what happens, you know. And then the the clown surprised me in a very pleasant way. (laughs) All right. So we've got a clown. We're also going to be checking back in with um, some of our favorite people who have been on the show before. We we know them as the accidental gay parents. Yeah. Um, I called them up. They're, they're in Portland, Oregon. And Tristan came home from work Pacific time. So it was really late when we got started. And you were in your apartment in Brooklyn, <laughs> yeah. listening in. I was on my typing. couch typing. <laughs> <laughs> and it lasted three hours. Yeah. 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 But it was an emotional, an emotionally satisfying three hours. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I can't wait to put that one on. And of course, we are going to be hearing from you, the listeners out there. That's right. That's my, like my favorite part of my day is reading all the emails that come in from our listeners and hearing their stories, some of which make it onto the show. Right. That is that is a big way that we get people on the show. The accidental gay parents were just Tristan wrote to me, right. said, I think you might want to tell my story on your show. And I said, hell yeah. Yeah. And today we've got another very special guest. Uh, who I was excited to meet, Lauren Lapkus. You didn't meet her. Well, you know, I met her. I got to email with her. Like, I'll tell you, a pride, a moment of pride for me was that she sent me this picture of some soaps, which people are going to hear about later. And then I emailed her back and said, oh, like, I think my grandma has one of those same soaps. And then she replied and said, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, oh, you got a ha, ha, ha from from a a comedian. comedian. (laughs) And I was like, this is good. All right. Well, thanks for coming and helping me talk about the next season, Abigail. Thanks for having me. I'll see you at the ad break. Okay. (laughs) Okay, on to Lauren Lapkus. Do you know Lauren Lapkus? Maybe you've seen her on Orange is the New Black. I just want you to know that as far as I'm concerned, you and me are the same. Lauren plays the nice prison guard on the show. The only difference between us is when I made bad decisions in life, I didn't get caught. It could have been me here in khaki easy. Thank you for saying that. You know, it's really nice to know that there's somebody on our side. No. On Orange is the New Black, Lauren appears to be all doughy-eyed and innocent. But in real life, she's actually a raunchy comedian. She does a lot of improv. And she has a podcast with Earwolf where she gets to flex those improv muscles every week. The show's called With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus. The concept of this show, it's pretty different from other podcasts. But lucky for us, With Special Guest has a theme song that's basically a big explainer of how it works. She's the host, but she's 
with your host, somebody else. Did you catch that? The guest is the host, and I'm the guest. It's Lauren's show, but she always plays the guest, and her guest plays the host. Hello, y'all. It's me, Skilo. So at the start of each episode, a comedian comes on. In this one, it's Sean Distin playing a fictional version of the rapper Skilo. I am Skilo, 1995 rapper, a uh, rapper of the song I Wish. And, um, you know, I have, I have been making wishes since... Uh, uh, for a very long time now. Uh, so this comedian, the guest host, lays out who their character is. And then they introduce Lauren's character. I'm going to introduce our guest today. But when Lauren sits down at the mic, she has no idea what's coming. You know, she has no idea who she's going to play until the moment that she hears it on tape. Ladies and gentlemen, the Guinness World Record holder for most wishes granted, <laughs> Frank Dorito. Frank Dorito. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Frank, how are you, Frank? Uh, well, I'm perfect because I got all my wishes. <laughs> well, that, let me describe you for the listeners. Frank is seven feet tall. <laughs> he is a big, big This man. is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. Today, Lauren Lapkus is here. She's going to talk about funny stuff from her childhood. And she joins us for the second installment of our ongoing series, unanswerable questions where we bring kids on to ask their most unanswerable questions and comedians try to answer those questions because you know kids and comedians they bring out the best in each other Way back before Lauren Lapkus was an actor, she had a long career as a babysitter. I actually like, loved babysitting and found that like most of the time when I was babysitting, that the kids that I would be with regularly became friends of mine. They're so fun to be around. I mean, there are those moments when you're babysitting where like you get really into something with the kid and then the parents come home and you feel like immediately embarrassed. Like It's so weird that you were just doing that. Oh, one thing that was really fun that I used to do with this girl, but she was my favorite, this one kid that I babysat, but... I would sing and she would mouth the words. So I would do like funny voices and then it would look like she was saying it. (laughs) I used to babysit a lot too. And I can remember like I had this summer job babysitting for these three kids and the mom was pregnant with a fourth. And I spent a lot of time with the three-year-old and we became like best buddies. And I just remember like we would have hose fights and, like, his his favorite thing was that I would let him, like, hose me down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you know what I just remembered was a fun activity yeah. with kids is letting them record your outgoing voicemail message. It's really fun. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. So I had one. I had one. It's a little girl for a long time, and she was like, you are such gorgeous. You are such gorgeous. And that was just, like, the voicemail <laughs> message. It makes no sense, but it's so cute. As a parent, you need a lot of improvising. Like, once you've mastered a stage with your kid, they just throw something brand new at you, you know, or or they'll ask you some question that comes out of nowhere and you don't know how to answer it. Um, are there any improv techniques that you can recommend for parents to use when stuff like this happens with their kids? Yeah, I think I would say just don't be afraid to say whatever comes off the top of your head. Sometimes you'll think something really weird and it might really get a kid to be quiet. <laughs> I I was just at home in Chicago with my family and my brother and his wife have a 3-year-old son and I realized that, that just what you're saying that like you really do have to kind of be quick with your with your thoughts with a little kid, especially a 3-year-old because they're really excited to to try to pull one over on you, I think. 
You recommended um, that parents could say, you know, what comes to their head first, like when a kid asks you a question. But I think a lot of times, like, that gets you in trouble with kids. Like, if I said all the things that came to my head, the front, like, at first when my daughter asks <laughs> me some question, like, like, you know, the hard stuff, like, where do babies come from, you know, and stuff about death, like... I would just always regret it if I actually said what I think. That's probably um, true. My first instincts are often really horrible if I th- really think about that. <laughs> so maybe my first instinct to say to follow your instincts was incorrect. Um, you might want to give it a little thought. Yeah, I think I would probably end up saying things I would regret too. Um, and those are really like like kind of tender subjects and you want to make sure you handle them delicately. But yeah, I don't know then. I don't know. I don't have a kid. So maybe my advice is worthless. <laughs> um Are there improv techniques that you use in your daily life? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think improv has really helped my my social life and my existence in the world. Uh, Especially when I first started doing improv, I I started learning about how, like, you can kind of be positive with your humor and and still be funny. I was kind of, like, more likely to lean towards sarcasm when I was younger and uh, kind of more of a have a had more of a biting wit in the sense that I would like I love to shout out something kind of like sarcastic at whatever the teacher said or like make a joke about whatever was happening. Um, and that was really fun for me. But a lot of times it was at somebody's expense. Lauren says that the whole idea behind improv, you know, the contract that you make with your partner, that you will take whatever they throw at you and run with it. This idea helped her to be a nicer person, you know, to not shut people down, which to me sounded like something I could really apply to those tough questions from my kid. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of actually this may be my new advice. Let them answer the question first and then see how you can build on the answer with them or kind of steer them towards whichever direction might be more related to the truth. Um, but it'd be really I think it'd be interesting to see what kids think the answer is to a lot of those questions. My my nephew, they have another baby on the way and he's asked a lot of really interesting questions lately, like, does the baby have clothes on in there? And will the baby come out with clothes on or is the baby going to come out naked? And then, like, you know, I think those things are really funny. Like, just the idea that, oh, it's very logical to think that the baby would have clothes on inside because we, you don't see a naked baby walking around everywhere. So, I don't know. It's kind of funny to think, like, I'd be curious to see why he thinks that or what he thinks about it and and whether or not he really thinks that he has clothes on or if he's being kind of funny to himself. So when you're improvising, um, do you find yourself ever playing the role of a mom? Definitely. I often play mothers. I mean, they're usually horrible people. I pretty much exclusively play nightmare people to be around. Um, But uh, I also like to, I really enjoy doing like the stereotypical like 1950s commercial mom or like the 90s commercial mom who's like, I'm a mom. I don't have time for running around. I need Sunny D or whatever. (laughs) That's a really fun type of person. Are any of these characters based on your own mom? No, I really don't think that I—my mom would would say otherwise, but I really don't think that I include my mom in my improv. But she thinks everything I do is inspired by her somehow, so I don't know what to take from that, but— <laughs> What is she like? My mom's really funny. She's—also, um, she would love that. She's very funny. She's, she's like, really entertaining and fun to be around. She's the kind of mom who— dances with a glass on her head at every wedding and that's really her thing and I love that description my mom's the kind of mom who dances with a glass on her head at every wedding 
awesome. Yeah, I don't know if that's what I don't know what that what impression that leaves you with, but there's something to that. You said that the the characters you play are mostly nightmare people. Why? I mean, I think in life we have to walk around and be so polite most of the time and and most of the time you want to be polite. You know, you're not we're not going to walk around and do something rude to somebody. It doesn't feel good, but in improv where anything can happen, it's fun to be able to play a character who would say the wrong thing or do that taboo thing or or not be afraid to offend somebody. I, I think it's really fun to do that in comedy, and there's there's so much freedom for that. So why not? You know, hearing you say that, um, you could have just as well been describing children, like not afraid of <laughs> offending people <laughs> or saying That's the wrong true. thing. That's very true. That is one of the best things about kids when they just say whatever they, they're thinking, like, you have a big nose. You're like, thanks a lot. Thanks. I know. Awesome. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me that, but... But I love that about kids. It's funny. Coming up, your kids unfiltered. Stay with us. <laughs> We're back with improv comedian Lauren Lapkus. So, Lauren, we asked parents to record their kids asking their most absurd, unanswerable questions. And I'm going to play some of our favorites for you. Um, And we're going to ask you to use your improv skills to answer the questions. Great. Are you ready? Yeah. So, John, let's hear the first clip. My name is Ruben, and and I'm four. And are poops dead? (laughs) Are poops dead? Well, kind of. I mean, the thing about poop is that it was once alive because it was once food that you put into your body. And hopefully if we're eating healthy food, it was living in the ground at one point and it got pulled out and cooked and you ate it and your body digests the food and makes it into poop. So when the poop comes out, it's technically dead food, but it's not scary. It's it's a good thing. Your body did the right thing. (laughs) That sounds right. That sounds right on. (laughs) I like thinking of poop as dead food. I think I want to think about that every time I poop now. (laughs) Um, As a kid, were you concerned with like what was dead and what was alive? I don't think I really thought about that too much. I remember the one thing that immediately comes to mind is that my first funeral I ever went to, I was four years old and it was my great grandpa, but I always would, I always thought my great grandpa was in my closet and I just thought he was in there. I kind of think kids can see, you know, ghosts. I kind of believe in that. Maybe I really was seeing him or maybe I, it was just the only dead thing I'd ever seen and, and it haunted me, you know, just mentally. And it was just something I was imagining. I don't know. Kind of creepy. Did, did you believe in ghosts? Oh, when I was a kid, definitely. Actually, I believed in ghosts until this year. <laughs> I don't know what changed. I had this moment. I, I have always been afraid of ghosts, and if I'm home alone, I'll, like, think something's a ghost and get scared and be afraid to leave. And if I watch, like, a, you know, if I watch a scary movie, I'll go to bed and be thinking that that thing's going to come get me or whatever. But this year, I just, I swear, it's like I woke up one day and I was like, I don't believe in ghosts anymore. I just don't. I just don't think that's a thing. I think that there are spirits. I think there's like, I think we have souls that leave our bodies. I like believe in that, but I don't really think like a ghost is like going to come knock on my door. I don't know what changed. I grew up. When I was a kid, my mom had um, like a sign that she made for my door 
that I decorated, and she wrote the words, no ghosts, tigers, bears, or witches allowed in this room. And I would wake up and I would have her add, like, another thing on the list, like, no goblins, no monsters. <laughs> um, and the, the list just kept growing. I still have oh, the Oh, that's awesome. You should put it on your door now. <laughs> I like that. Well, let's hear the next clip. Okay. Hi, my name is Evelyn, and I'm five and three quarters. And my question is, why do grown-ups make the world so tempting for children? Wow, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> First of all, I love her age, and I, I guess I'm I'm thirty and one quarter, um, which is kind of a fun way <laughs> to think about life. Um, we make things look fun because we get to do all the cool stuff, and then, and when you're a kid, you know you have parents and adults telling you you can't do things or you ha- you can't have a snack, you can't watch TV, and then they peek around the corner and we're having snacks and watching TV. I. I I don't think it's about making it tempting for you. It's not. We're not trying to make it exciting for you. We're just trying to live <laughs> our lives. And eventually, you're going to be an adult and you get to do whatever you want. It's not. We're not trying to tempt you. We're just living our lives, and it looks really good because it is really fun. Well, I think grownups are trying to tempt kids because, like, How just so? look at look at look at commercials and like look at all the toys in the toy oh, store and. Wow. Like I can, from my daughter's point of view, there are so many things that are so tempting that I am always saying no to. And sometimes I say yes. I say yes probably more than I ever imagined I would. But um, there's just, there's temptations everywhere for children. Well, I think I would have to add an addendum to that, which is that adults make it tempting for kids because kids can control their parents. (laughs) So Mm. if something looks good to you and you're a little kid and you're like, I want that, and you make a big deal about it, your parents are likely to say yes, which gets the corporation's money, which makes everything easier. I think it is easy to market to kids. I mean, not an answer for a five-year-old, but it's it's a weird, that's a really weird thing to think about how manipulative the media is towards children. Grown-ups make the world tempting for children because they want to make money. Yeah. Wow. How demented. (laughs) (laughs) What what, um, was the most tempting stuff to you as a child? Oh, candy. I would I stole candy sometimes. <gasps> I remember going to <laughs> I, I remember stealing a pack of Mambas. If you remember Mambas, they were like mm-hmm. kind of like Starburst but not. They're like harder. They're these like long rectangular candies, kind of a chewy candy. And I remember going to Osco, which was like what CVS is, and I went in there and my mom was going down a different aisle and I stole Mambas. I don't know how I got them out of the store cuz they're really long tube. But I remember I went home and I hid them in my, I had a basket full of stuffed animals and I hid them in there. And then I was just taking them out, eating them every once in a while. (laughs) And my mom asked me where I got them. And I made up a really big lie about getting them from a kid at school that we ran into when, because we had run into somebody that we knew. And I made up a whole thing about how he gave them to me. I wonder if she believed me or if she just was like, yeah, whatever, it's easier than trying to go through all this. Yeah, I remember going into like um, the bulk candy bins at the grocery store and just like sneaking pieces of candy. I feel positive yeah. that my parents must have seen me doing it and just not say anything. Not, yeah, I mean, really, because when you when you're around a kid now, you you know everything they're doing. Like they they must have known. I mean, it's hard to miss that kind of thing. I don't know. I also was really tempted by um, animal stuffed animals, like little 
cute animals or like little things that would be glittery or sparkly. I loved that or like would light up or anything that had my name on it. That was like my favorite thing. I loved anything with my name, like a license plate, like little thing you could put on your bike or like, um, you know, a box with your name on it. I kept all those things for so long. I don't know why. I love that stuff. Did you collect anything? I collected so many things. I collected um, little rubber animals that I called little guys, and I displayed them at the library one summer. I had my own little like display case with my little guys in it, like probably like a hundred little rubber animals. Like I, I had a lot of fun doing that. And then I recently came across an old collection I had, which is maybe my worst collection, and I still haven't thrown it out. But it's soaps. It's decorative soaps. Um, I had like twenty of them in this little box that out that said Lauren. It was a Ralph Lauren box, but and I have all these soaps in there, and like. I, we pulled them all out. My mom and I were going through them and we were having so much fun. It was like, she was like, oh, I pulled one out. She's like, oh yeah, that one was expensive, which was probably like $3. But she remembered (laughs) like it was like a big purchase. And then like we, they all had kind of shrunken down over time. Like, I guess that's just what happens to soap if you don't use it. Like they all became kind of like smaller and weird. And I had one that was like a Mickey Mouse with like a towel over his shoulder. Like he was going to take a bath. Uh And I loved that one. And I remember thinking it it was huge. It was my biggest soap. And it was so small. It was like probably like five inches tall. Like I thought it was huge. I don't know if it shrunk a lot or if it if it was always that small and I was just smaller. But my soap collection is my worst and lamest collection. And I really don't want to throw it out. I still love it. Okay, let's hear the next question. Can you say your name and your age? Ben. And um, four. Um, <laughs> why are there crazy people in the world? Why are there crazy people in the world? Hmm. Well, everyone is born with a brain and everyone is doing their best with their brain every day. And some people's brains can start to do different things that they don't want them to do. You know how when you think about getting up in the morning and you make decisions every second, how you want to get up, I'm, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to brush my teeth. You're making these decisions and you're doing it on purpose. But sometimes people's brains start to get a little funny and they can't decide those things. I think when someone is crazy or when we think that they're crazy, they're doing things that we don't expect them to do and that they don't expect to do themselves and they don't want to do it. Like um, I had like this neighbor who was for sure mentally unstable. I don't know what her story was, but um, she lived with her parents and she was an adult. And she one time sent Christmas cards to everyone in the neighborhood that said, Merry Christmas, go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was like kind of incredible. Like I wish I had that card at this point. My mom threw it out, but it's kind of amazing. She just told everyone to go to hell. It's pretty awesome. That sounds like <laughs> a great premise for like an improv character. Yeah, I actually really need to hold on to her. She was great. Listening to this question and your answer to it made me think about just like the word crazy, you know? Like I must yeah. throw that word around several times a day. And it suddenly sounded like much more serious to me. <laughs> um, I did make, I did, I really talked about mental health. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there are people where there's probably when we as adults say like that person's crazy, we're just throwing it around like that person is annoying. It can mean so many different things. Like a driver, you're like that person's crazy because they're not turning on their turn signal or something. Like you're, we use it really loosely. So it's possible that he meant, you know, what do we mean when we say that someone's weird in that way? But yeah, like a weird person. Um, but I think mental health is a very important topic to get into, even at a young age. Yeah. You know, I just even noticed today. So today um, is 
quote, creative hair day at my daughter's school. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's that's what they call it at school. So at camp, it was crazy hair day. But I noticed that they use the word creative. And I was like, oh, crazy hair day. Yeah, maybe that's not maybe that's not nice. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I mean it's the kind of word that we use that um, we use so casually that can be really hurtful. Like if you're saying that someone you know who is manic depressive is crazy, it's not really that's not appropriate. So and it's interesting though, like how we now we're getting so careful. Like to say creative hair day almost just seems over the top to me. But I also I maybe it's just better if we start kind of weaning ourselves off those words anyway. We'll have more of your kids' questions in just a minute. And Lauren will attempt to answer the most asked kid question of all time. It's just a single word. Do you know what word I'm talking about? Don't go away. We're back with actor and comedian Lauren Lapkus and your kids' unanswerable questions. Hi, my name is Josie, and I'm four. Wire, hammerhead, shark real, and unicorns are not. Why are hammerhead sharks real and unicorns are not? Wow, that's a really good question. There are so many animals that are so funny looking, and it's so fun when you find one that's really cool. I just discovered an animal. I don't remember the name of it. Maybe someone will know this. It's like this little round mouse, and it has two little legs that are just little feet under its round body and big eyes and a really long tail. It it only has two feet, and I don't know (laughs) if it has hands or not. It looks like a little ball with feet. It's really funny. You're making um, this up. No, I'm not. And that's the thing. When you think about how many, how many, and I hesitate to say crazy animals there are, but how many weird animals there are. Even giraffes. Like, you look at a giraffe. Like, that's an amazing creature. Mm-hmm. That's, the neck is so long. Like, that's, it looks like a dinosaur. It's crazy. Ugh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to say that. crazy. <laughs> oh, wait, look. Oh, wait, we have the name of the animal here. It's a gerboa. Yeah. Please look it up. It's adorable. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, hammerhead sharks are one of those animals where you look at them and you're like, how is that real? How is that a thing that this shark has that shape to their head? It's so bizarre. Well, the thing about unicorns is that they're created for fun. So some animals exist in real life and they have a purpose and they all do something. But a unicorn is really just a horse with a, with a, with a point on its head which would really only be used to hurt people. So I think even though we think they're really fun creatures, we probably wouldn't really want to see a unicorn because it could really hurt you with that with that cone on its head. Um, well, what about a, a rhinoceros? Oh, that's a good point. Wow. This is a tough one. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think people get... You know, I think people can forget that there are so many fun creatures that really exist, like a rhino, that we have to, we think we have to make up really silly new animals to entertain ourselves. But if you really look around and see what we have on Earth right now, real things, they're really entertaining just as they are. Even an alligator. I mean, just compare it to a person. Those, The way an alligator looks compared to a, how a person looks, it's insane that these two things can exist on the same planet. Like a narwhal is a real thing, right? Yeah. That's a crazy looking animal. Oh, man, I wish unicorns were real now. I went all over the place with that one. I don't know. That one was hard for me. (laughs) 
Well, I'm going to give you another stumper. Okay. This is Althea Kurth Baker, age two and a half. Why? <laughs> that's it. I Why? I ask that every day. That's how I wake up. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> Why? Why? Why anything? Because, hmm. Because. Can you just say because when someone says why? Because. <laughs> Do you know what? That's become my go-to answer. It almost it just like rolls off my tongue so easily now. Anything <laughs> my daughter asks me that I don't know the answer to or I don't feel like answering, I just say because it is. And somehow, miraculously, it works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it just makes sense. I don't know. It kind of... I mean, why... I don't know. I ask why all the time. I really do. I'll, I'll, I'll realize I'm saying it in my car, like, why, God? And I'm like, what am I even talking about? I'm not even thinking about a specific thought. I'll just ask that. So I really relate to that question. I don't know that I have an answer, but I really, really relate to it. It, it makes me sad <laughs> to think of a, a little kid just desperately wanting to know why, and there's no other information involved. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Can you remember asking why incessantly when you were a kid? Um, so much of my struggles as a kid were all internal. Like I would really worry a lot about something and not tell anyone and just stress out so much. Like if we had to like at school and I remember in kindergarten we would make um, like a, a different kind of meal every once in a while, like a treat. And I was a really picky eater. And so that would really stress me out. Okay, we're going to make stone soup based on the stone soup book or whatever. And I would just panic all day about the idea that I'm going to have to eat this thing. This is horrible. I wouldn't talk to anyone about it. I would just like quietly suffer. And then like hopefully I can fake a stomachache right around the time we're going to have to do this. Or like we made green eggs and ham. And they now they dyed everything green, which was disgusting. <laughs> and it just looked repulsive. I just remember like my, my sheer panic, but it all existed inside. So I don't know that there was a lot of times... My parents would even know that I was, like, really worried about something, but it was happening inside. So I do like to remember that when I think about little kids because there's so much going on for them that you, as you get older, you really forget about how it felt to be a kid and how it felt to worry about something. Because those, those things, that was my whole world, that I would have to eat green eggs and ham. That was all I cared about. You know, I had no <laughs> other problems. But, like, that that's it's all relative. That was the worst thing that I could possibly have to deal with right then. So I... I think it's important to remember that when we when you're around little kids because they they are like their little minds are always working. There's always something going on in there. Um, well, I have a bonus question for you. It's it's hard to understand what the kid says, but the mom the mom will translate it. Let's hear that one. Okay. What's your name? Idanyoda. And how old are you, Idanyoda? Two and a half. You want to know what Darth Vader's Hebrew name is? Yeah. <laughs> Darth Vader's Hebrew name. I couldn't resist this one. Well, I'm not Jewish, but I can make one up. <laughs> <laughs> I would think Darth Vader's Hebrew name is uh, Vadora, or like, or like his name would be Dovadora. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. No, no, chuz. I like, I like no, to give him no, having no, no chuz yeah, sound in there. <laughs> I didn't throw it in. I like the idea of thinking of Darth Vader as a as a someone who practices religion on any level. I don't know much about Star Wars, but I can't picture that. But it sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dovadora, I like it. 
But I bet a lot of you Star Wars fans out there have your own answers to this. Go to LongestShortestTime.com. Tell us your answer to Darth Vader's Hebrew name in the comments for this episode. That's episode 78. We've also got amazing pictures there of Lauren Lapkus as a kid and her very well-preserved soap collection. You can find Lauren Lapkus's podcast with special guest Lauren Lapkus on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Lauren's also in a new Netflix series with improv comedians called The Characters. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Akitunde. Thanks to Ryan Connor, who recorded Lauren's end of the conversation. Next week on The Longest Shortest Time. I feel like I I should apologize before saying this. This is going to sound horrible, so I'll preface it with that. Terry Gross tells all. Okay, now I won't ever read my The Fresh Air Twitter feed again. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to miss this show. Make sure that you're subscribed to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, here's a new thing. Hey, Abigail. Hey, I'm back. And you have taken over the Longest Shortest Time newsletter. That's right. It's in my hands now. (laughs) Tell the people why they should subscribe. Well, in the newsletter, they can see behind-the-scenes photos. They can um, see our hilarious tweets from our listeners. And mostly they can just get an inside peek at the, you know, wonderful things that happen inside of my brain all day. Super wonderful things. You can find all those things by subscribing to the newsletter. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and enter your name in the little box on the homepage. Also, we want folks to send you good stories, right? That's right. So that you're not bored out of your mind at your job. Exactly. So send Abigail things. Send us stories about your families at LongestShortestTime.com. We especially want to hear from grandparents and step-parents and adoptive parents, but anything goes. And we want more of those unanswerable kid questions, too. Yeah, make me laugh. We're done with the questions. Hey, quick, don't turn the podcast off. I know you probably left it on by accident, but I'm Arnie Niekamp from Hello from the Magic Tavern. This is what's going on. About a year ago, I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King into the fantastical land of Foon. I'm joined by my co-host, a talking badger. Mmm, chunt, please. And a magical wizard. I am Usador, blue wizard of the 12th realm of Ephesius. His name goes on a lot longer than that, but oh, we don't have so time for names. it. We interview adventurers, magical creatures, talking animals, and we talk about buttholes a lot. I apologize <laughs> for that. If that sounds interesting, download Hello from the Magic Tavern. Aye, uh, and then you can join me in my quest to defeat the Dark Lord. Correct, Arnold? Correct. Download it on Earwolf, and the entire back catalog is also on the Howl app. Stand up. You sing Earwolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hold up. 